I just asked Andrew to sing one song. Maybe we could stand up together. sings, then sings my soul, my Savior God to me. How great thou art, how great thou art, then sings my soul, my Savior God to me. How great sit down. That song's, uh, that song means so much to me. Um, I'm Swedish, and that song was written by our uh, Swedish pastor who actually started the Swedish Pentecostal movement in Sweden. And uh, he wrote that song. And last year, I think I touched a little bit about uh, what God did in and through him. And it's just reminding me once again, my passion is Canada. 
My passion is prayer and what God has called you to do and to be and for this time very specifically. So with uh, Dave last night saying God changed his message and that's what happened to me and this is wild because I don't know what I'm going to say. Um, but anyway, so this song, I just want to remind you about a little bit about what I talked about last year. Levi Pietrus, who is the preacher that wrote this song, he brought an, an incredible, incredible presence of God to our nation of Sweden. We saw revival like we never seen before. We've seen people saved. We've seen churches raised. Every small community had a huge, not a huge church, but they had a church and a place of impact. They sent missionaries all over the world. Even the revival that's taking place or has taken place in Brazil, Swedish missionaries started that coming from Sweden, going there. Places in Africa. This is one man that God called out for such a time as this. He wrote this song. And when I was sitting on Remembrance Day in Spruce Grove, in our Tri-Leisure Center, my youngest daughter has been very involved in sports, and I've been in those arenas watching a lot of different things. Football, not football, soccer, volleyball, basketball. But I'm sitting there on Remembrance Day, and what song do they sing? How great thou art. Did Levi Pietrus know that he's going to have that kind of influence over 100 years ago? Now we're singing in Spruce Grove in the Tri-Leisure Center, How Great Thou Art. And what I want to remind you about, this is what I talked about last year. So the Swedish Pentecostal movement started on prayer. It was birthed in prayer. The prayer meetings have churches full of people calling on God, interceding, crying out to God on behalf of their community, on behalf of where God had them, and God moved. I'll go back to Sweden now. Those small churches are turning into mosques. And I believe it's because the church has stopped praying. So I feel what God is asking me to do today is ask you, are you willing? Are you willing to stand in the gap on behalf of this nation? My passion, my love for Jesus is just so much for this nation. I, I just can't explain it. I'm not even a Canadian, which is so weird. Uh, and I don't think I will be unless my husband will become a Swede, which is not going to happen. <laughs> my girls are both, though. Thank God. <laughs> no, but... Um, mm. I believe God is raising you guys up. I don't think most of you even know how significant it is. The incredible place you're going to have, and I'm going to talk a little bit about that. But I'm just going to share about a couple things that I see um, like you are a target. The enemy is out to get you, to destroy your destiny, to destroy what God has for you. And I'm just going to give a little bit example about my husband just because it's easy to see and easy to understand i believe god has called him to this nation he is a man for this nation his heart is for this nation and i don't think he understood it as clearly when we got married as i do to this day everything about him is written canada 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 some of you guys you have places other places but him is canada and God has tried to take him out. And there are three times in a man's life, God didn't try. The enemy tried, sorry. <laughs> I knew that. 
Hope you knew that too. The enemy tried to take him out. And I'm going to share these three points because I believe the enemy is trying to take you out. 13 years old, 30 years old, and 50 years old. 13 years old, he was with his dad in Haiti. His dad is an evangelist speaking in big crusades. And it was just a miracle that he survived. He should not survive that. So he was a target. When he was 30, he was in a serious car accident. He broke his neck in two places, C5, C6. He dislocated it. He should not be walking. He should be dead. But God had a different plan. The head neurosurgeon at the U of A hospital said, you know, you had somebody looking after him. There is no way he should be walking. He's walking today. He's a walking miracle. When he was 50, what a lot of people say is the year of Jubilee. It's the year to celebrate. It's the year that now God is really pushing you forward. We were here at pastor's camp, and he got this incredible prophetic word that even people were going like, who is this guy? This cannot be true. And I'm thinking, you don't know what you're talking about. This is more than true. Like, this is what's my spirit, because it was already in my spirit. I already know what God has purposed for Ken. And why I believe he got that prophetic word at that particular time. I believe the two times you get a prophetic word. When you're young and God wants you to get a glimpse of what God's going to use you for and for you to see so you can walk towards that. The other time is you often get it just before you go through a horrible time. And like we have gone through hell. I'm sorry, I can't use any other word, but I'm not going to talk about anything else but what my husband went through. But because of his accident, now he got a, an infection that settled in his neck. It's called osteomyelitis. And if that wasn't detected, because it took them quite a while to detect it, and this Dr. Smith, she was an answer to God, because she just had a patient that they did not discover this, and it, for this particular person was in her lower back, and you will be paralyzed from the neck down. So Ken was saved for the second time from being paralyzed from the neck down. Then he's on antibiotics 24-7 for six months. He gets a blood clot in his lung. We go to another specialist. We're sitting there. The doctor is looking at him, talking to this other specialist, and more or less asking, did he survive it? And I'm thinking, how many years of school do you have to go to see the guy sitting in front of you? He survived. It's a miracle because the enemy cannot take you out when he has a destiny, a plan, and a purpose for your life. And no matter what you feel like the enemy is trying to take you out, any lie that you believed over yourself, I want to break it off of you because you have a very specific, very significant time for such a time as this. And I'm reminded Ken and I were just in Ottawa here a while ago, and Kenny Black Smith, he was... uh, native chief that Stephen Harper asked to apologize or ask for forgiveness for the natives. And uh, he just had a heart attack. And he was telling a similar story that Ken went through. And he was actually blacking out. So now everything is dark. So he just hears two voices. One voice says, can I take him out now? And then the other voice says, no, it's not his time. And I'm going, you devil, you try to take us out. You try to slide. You try to do things. But remember, you will never go through anything that is not going through God first. So no matter what it looks like, remember that. I'm speaking that into your life right now. I want you to see it. I want you to believe it. I mean, in one way, this looks traumatic, what we have gone through physically, but there is doesn't matter what it is that's facing you, whether it's emotional, whether it's relational, whether it's uh, financially. Like, God is going to come through for you because he has called you for such a time as this. 
So let's pray and then we'll see where we go from here. Holy Spirit. We thank you for this nation of Canada. God, I thank you that you're opening up the doors for this nation to move in power and might like we've never seen before. I thank you that you're releasing these men and women, God, to see themselves and who they are in you, Father. And we ask of your spirit of God to move on us because we know it's not my words. It's not what's going on anywhere else, but it's you speaking directly into each and every one's heart. God, let them see themselves like you see them. Let them know how powerful they are in you. Let them know there's absolutely nothing impossible with you, God, because we are serve a God who is more powerful than any situation we, we face. And God, once we face the different things we have to face, move us forward. God, let us be a mighty army that's you, you, that you are rising up from Sylvan Lake today, Father. They're going to see themselves as mighty warriors for your kingdom purposes, Father. So I release that into their spirit. And whatever you have birthed in their hearts already, God, I let it just burn like fire from deep within them, God. It's like they're in a birthing thing, God, that they're just getting ready, God, to deliver something that you have planned placed in their hearts. For some of them, they've been carrying it for a long time. For other people, it's just a seed that's being planted that you have called them for such a time as this, Father. You are coming back very soon, and you need each one of us to be activated to do what you have purpose for us to do, to do what you called us to do, Father. And you have a very specific a position for Canada, and you need each one of us to stand guard on what you have for this nation. So, Father, we ask of you, only you, have your way today. Have your way. Have your way. Speak to us, Father, in Jesus' name. The way I see myself, uh, I intercede on behalf of my husband, my daughters, my grandson, our credential holders and other people, but I really intercede on their behalf. And I believe Canada is getting ready for a mighty move of God. And I just want to read two prophetic words that's been written for Canada in this last year. And I want you to hear it. I believe this moment represents a nation called Canada rising up. And God's people in this nation rising up in a way that no other nation on earth at this time will rise up. I believe that we have had had this meeting just to say that Canada now will begin to lead in kingdom demonstration. But I say to this nation of Canada, I now call you and honor you. And as I honor my daughter Abigail in the word, I say to you, you will become a nation that does not back down from the enemy, but a nation that mediates among nations. And I say from this day forward, my people, my kingdom people in this nation will wear a supernatural wisdom of mediation for you will be a meeting. So you will be in places and immediately I will cause you to know my mind. I say even the first fruit of my people in this meeting, I will now open the windows of your heart that I can communicate in even while you sleep. I say tonight, I'm shifting my kingdom plan in this land. And because you have gathered, I will open up ways for you to shift through you what I'm shifting from heaven into the earth realm. I say my nation will now react. I say many nations will now rise and wars will begin in new ways. But Canada will stand even in the midst of places such as Syria, Iran, England, and my word, and they will have my word for the hour. I say to you the next seven years, I can now move from this meeting and begin to spread through this land. I will cause my spirit to be I will cause my spirit to be concentrated in one place. I will find ways in every province 
for my spirit to, to move. I say year after year, over the next seven years, you will hear a breakouts in this land. For, for I will break out in Edmonton. I will break out in Winnipeg. I will break out in Saskatchewan, in Alberta. And I say, I will shake the ground and will be heard through the land that the ground of Alberta has shaken. And when it shakes, I say to you, the whole nation will rise up with a voice to break down things that could not be broken down. I say to you, you will have influence over the rising giant of unbelief that's coming through America. I say, you get ready for this day forward. You will have kingdom meetings, and it will be known. My kingdom has come to Canada, for I say, the lame will leap, the sick will be healed, but I will give strategies that will break poverty so this nation, when others are drying up, this nation will prosper. I say to you this night that there is a new um, there is a new prosperity upon my people in this nation. And from the, this day forward, I will give you the desires that my heart longs to be heard through Canada. I say, get ready for even this movement here will now move in every province through the entire land. The second one, the Lord is sending a vast army of warriors who will take up arms against impurity, against mediocrity, against blatant deceitfulness and aggression. He's preparing, he's preparing to clear the atmosphere so the next wave of the Holy Spirit will be free to sweep across our land. In the, it, it's in the works. It will happen. His next move in Canada will be one that is plain to see. It will not be mistaken for anything but him. No one will be able to bring about any claim that will, any claim that will stand against what he is doing. We are serving in a very pivotal time in our nation. We will see his power, his might, and his hand extending. Many will see and be saved, healed, and delivered. We must not check out. Stay in the game. Stay focused. Stay prepared. Do not lose, lose sight of your Savior. He is aligning his servants to be ready. You have a place, a part, an integral part of the flowing of this move in this nation. You are the one who he has chosen to spread this move. Did you hear that? You are the one whom he has chosen to spread this move. Do not slumber. Do not sleep. Be alert. He is coming. He will do what he... He, uh, he will not delay. Only be ready to be conduits of this coming powerful move. Hmm. So what I was going to talk about, I was going to talk about Second Chronic from Second Chronicles chapter 14, 15, and 16, and it's King Asa. And I just wanted to say what I wanted to say about him just in a couple sentences. Asa was a king. And it says in chapter 14, Asa did what was good and right in the sight of the Lord his God. He removed the pagan altars and the high places. He told the people of Judah to seek the Lord. So what I picture when I hear this is Stephen Harper calling out on CBC News. That would be the greatest. <laughs> you have to serve the Lord. Actually, it was so severe that they were going to put you to death if you did not do what he was asking them to do. We have to remove the altars that are not God's altars. What is altar have you built in your life? What is it that God has to cut down for you to be able to see what God wants to do? I want to believe for national house cleaning for this nation of Canada. And God is so mighty, and I know what Andrew was saying, even when he was singing, we shouldn't look back at things, but the Old Testament is so powerful to me to see what God is doing through men that is just supernatural. Now King Asa, he was going to war. The Ethiopian army was coming. There were one million people. He had 580,000 people come standing with him. And now they're standing in, in a battle formation. And I'm just wondering, what does that even look like? Like a million people is... Edmonton pretty well, right? 
what does the battle formation of a million guys look like? Can you guys even picture that? He had half the army. So then Asa, who is a king, stands in front of his people, and this is what he said. Then Asa cried out to the Lord his God, Lord, there is no one beside you to help the mighty and those without strength. Help us, Lord our God, for we depend on you, and in your name we have come against this multitude. Lord, you are our God. Do not let a mere mortal hinder you. Imagine now you... As a leader, you have 500, you're pretty well half the people in front of you. I mean, it's going to be a bloody battle, right? I mean, I just, that's just no other way about it. And the way I think when I see this, Ken and I, when we're in Ottawa for the church planting uh, seminar, they were talking maybe 7 8% are Christians here in Canada, maybe, but just say 10% for the sake of it. And we are a small army, but I just want you to picture yourself in that battle formation with a weapon in hand. We have to take Canada for Christ. So Asa, he, God is so good. I don't even know what, I can't, I can't, I cannot picture it, but I can picture it. They pursued. Not one of them survived. What does it feel like? What does it feel with one million men look like lying there dead? I mean, it must be horrible, right? But the thing is, what are we facing today? What are we fighting against? There's a world that is crying out, and there's a battle. It's a spiritual battle, and God is calling on you to release your giftings to be used for these people to come to know God. We're not, what's the word? We're not fighting to kill, but we're fighting to rescue people. And it's like, it's just so powerful. And when he wins this battle, uh, another prophet comes to him and confirms what just happened. He said, listen to me. The Lord is with you when you are with me. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. You will always have him when you ask. So, um, yeah. Second Chronicles 69. For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth. To show himself strong for those whose hearts are completely his. For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to show himself strong for those whose hearts are completely his. I believe that God is still looking. His eyes are running through Canada, through Alberta, through Edmonton. For someone, anyone who will totally and passionately seek him. I believe God is going to release incredible things and I believe God is stirring things up within you and I know what God has stirred up in me but I want you to see yourself being released in what God has for you when Ken and I we were at the dedication for what Dave talked about yesterday in Malaysia for Princess uh, his church dedication that was amazing but there was a man there from Africa his name was Enoch. And this is what I want to, because I just got it when he explained it this way. Like God is doing so many incredible and powerful, mighty things that we, like, it's just unbelievable. So he's traveling back and forth to America. And he was saying when he was traveling back from America, he was going to tell God that he felt like God was prodigious because America has all the money. And I'm thinking, if he can say that, I can say the same thing to you because I felt like God is doing these incredible miracles in Africa. Why don't we see them here? That's my question. Why don't we see them here? And then he was explaining like how he, was, how he started 
So his kid had a headache. Like he sees powerful, mighty things happen, like through he- miracles and healings. And he, when he first started, he was saying that his kids had a headache or they hurt themselves. So he gave them, God five minutes to heal them, who we give them a Tylenol. So he said it just didn't start like, you know, now I'm going to lay my hands on somebody who is paralyzed and faith just going to rise up. He had to start with small faith, right? But how he said it, like when he, he talked about a miracle that took place, that this woman's stomach was totally open and it was such an infection that the doctors could, no antibiotics and nothing could heal it. So this granddaughter was constantly on this pastor Enoch to come and pray, but he didn't have, he was just too tired. He didn't want to plainly because he was just from going from one place to the other. So he just took this handkerchief, prayed over it, sent it with his granddaughter to take with her to his grandmother, her grandmother. So this girl takes it to her grandmother, lays it on her stomach in the evening. In the morning when she wakes up, her womb is like her stomach is completely, totally healed. There is not even a scar. You will call that a miracle, right? Amazing miracle. But what he was saying, you, you have to picture yourself. And this is what we do wrong. We think we are going to do it. So we are scared to pray for people. Because what if they don't get healed? This nation is called to ra- rise up as a healing nation. I believe that means in so many different areas. But one thing is healing for the physical I know it's for emotional, I know it's for marriages, I know it's for financial, I know there for so many different things, but I know the physical healing is going to take place. And I believe right now, even God is putting that in your spirit, that God is going to use you. And there's nothing to be scared about it. You just have to lay a hold of it. But what he was saying is like, you picture yourself, you lay your hand on the person, and it's like, it's the Holy Spirit. You believe the Holy Spirit is within you, right? So it's the Holy Spirit who just comes out of your hand and does it. I mean, that sounds so simple that I just can't believe I missed it. And I don't miss it because I know it at the same time. Why don't we see more miracles? In Africa, they see incredible miracles all the time. And I believe now is the season for Canada to rise up, to lay hold of that healing anointing that God has purposed and placed in this nation. And many of you here, I believe God's going to use and you're going to operate through faith in miracle working power. So I pray God that you, they would lay hold, that you would lay hold of that father. And as the clock counts down, for the final hour before Jesus comes back. I believe, I really believe that you might be the generation that will see Jesus come back. I might be too, maybe, but I really believe you, need, you are going to be. And I really believe that you need to hear what God is saying for you for such a time as this. I believe that you need to rise up as mighty intercessors on behalf of this land or on behalf of the land that God has called you to. I'm not assuming everybody's called to this nation of Canada, but God has a very specific place for you. And Daniel Nash, John Hyde, David Youngish Show are three men that I look up so immensely to. Just by curiosity, is there anyone in here who know, even knows who Daniel Nash is? Yeah, that's what I thought. Who knows who Charles Finney is here? Okay. Okay, I'll, Charles Finney is a man of God that God used. Late 1700, early 1800, I don't know, somewhere in there maybe. But God used him such a powerful way that people would come to Jesus as they were being drawn by a magnetic force. Churches will be overwhelmed with newcomers. Crime rates will plummet. Jails would empty. People were stricken by the horror of their sin and the deep offense the sin caused the heart of God. Like he, there was such a powerful move in America during that time. And God used Finney in an incredible way, but it was actually Nash the God used. 
And I'll just give you, he was working with Finn, and I'll just give you an example who this Nash was. He was a pastor who got hurt by the church. He got kicked up by the board. He could not be the pastor anymore because they thought he was too old. He was 46 years old. So because of that hurt and pain, he withdrew from people, and he became an intercessor. And he would go before Finney into a place and call on God. He would lock himself in a room. He would cry out to God for the Holy Spirit to be released and for a mighty harvest to be reaped. He would stay there praying for three to four days, up to four weeks. How many of us would even think of dedicating, staying in a room for four weeks, praying before Travis is preaching? Do I have a hand? Okay, you have one, Travis. Do we know what praying through means? He would pray, he would pray. They said you hear crying, you hear mourning, you hear weeping. He's interceding, he's groaning in God's presence. God is calling you to groan in his presence, to give birth. I mean, those people have given birth. You know what groaning is. It's like you're giving birth. What are you giving birth to in this nation? God is calling you to give birth. It's groaning, it's work, but it's in God's presence waiting upon him. So he would intercede and cry out to God until he felt now the time is done. The minute, like the spirit is open. So then he would call Finney to come and speak and the God would use him mightily. But you never saw, uh, you never saw Nash. He hardly ever attended his service. But when he died... Four months later, Finney stopped. Doesn't that say something? So many times we want to be the person seen. So many times we think the people that are up here are being used. But God is using a lot of you behind the scenes. And you don't even know maybe how incredible, important your place is. Hyde, he was a missionary in India. God used him powerfully and mightily. And I'm just going to read what they give you in two, three sentences, what they said. If you were standing by him when he was praying, we take our stand near the prayer closet of John Hyde and are permitted to hear the sighing and the groaning and to see the tears running down his face, to see his frame weakened by foodless day and sleepless nights, shaken with sobs as he pleads, Oh God, give me souls or I die. How many nights have you stayed up? How many minutes have you prayed for your neighbor? I know I talked a little bit about this when I was speaking at the... A citizen of church of women, whatever retreat or whatever it was called. But one of my daughters, when we started citizen of church, see again, when you're starting something, you're going to get attacked. I'm just don't think you're not. And it's not whatever. It's just the way it is. And I was working night. I'm a nurse. And I was so mad at God because he has given us a free will. <laughs> I was interceding on behalf of my daughter because she was not serving the Lord at the time. I was crying that kind of ugly cry. I thinking if the parents were going to come down, they for sure thought their kid had died and I just couldn't bear to come and tell them. It was just, you know, your lips are twice the size, your eyes are so puffed up that you can hardly see. I was so contending on behalf of my daughter, and I could not understand why God would give us a free will when his will is so perfect. And I was crying out, and I was hurting, and I was just, God, how can she reject you? How can she reject your love? How can she? I was just going on and on and on. And it's like my heart was breaking a thousand pieces. I can't explain. Like, it's just a horrible feeling, absolutely horrible and God reminded me, this is how I cry over every child that's mine. I'm asking you today, 
think about at least one person that you're going to decide from this day forward to cry out on, to God on behalf. And I can tell you right now, I have another daughter. Her name is Lynette. If you have nobody else to pray for, pray for her. She needs to be delivered, set free to serve God. And Jesus, he just loves every single one of them, but he has called us. And I got a prophetic word not long, a couple of days ago. Like I, I, I'm getting pretty good at releasing things, but sometimes I take the burden on me. And it's so painful, and I feel like I couldn't breathe. I felt like I was having a heart attack. I just, one of those moments again where you're just totally overwhelmed. And I remember calling Cindy. Uh, her husband works with my husband, Dave. His name is Dave. He works with Ken. And I told her, like, I just felt like I was so past this. Why am I taking this burden on when I know it's not my burden to carry? But then I got this prophetic word. The door has been unlocked. The door is open now. Now it's her job to fly out. We have to help her to fly out. And I pray that you will see the same thing for the person you're standing in the gap on behalf. Trust me, if you want to see nation, this nation change, each one of us has to stand in the gap on behalf of somebody. The harvest is over. The summer has ended and we are not saved. I pray that will not take place in Canada. I pray that this nation will be saved. I know the vision is crazy and you wonder, God, how can that take place? But we have to decide that God can do anything and we have to stand on what God has called us. So for, yeah, for I desire to raise up a host that will carry out my, my pioneering missionary spirit for this land of Canada once again. Those who will carry out my word and my mantle to the lost in all the regions of culture, says the Lord. I'm searching for those upon whom I might lay my mantle on for this nation, who, those who will not love their own lives unto death, but will go for the glory of my name. Where is the place where I might dwell? Who is the one that will willingly go and be a light in darkness? Who will go and stand as a tower of righteousness for me in the midst of this generation? Where is the house that you built for me? Long have I desired to dwell and take dominion, but who will go? Who shall I send? Who will go for me? Are you willing to go? Often we say, are you willing to go? We picture ourselves in a hut in Africa somewhere. But maybe God is asking you to go to your neighbor. Maybe God is asking you to bless the person sitting next to you. Who will go? Whom shall I send? You have to take the step of faith, believing that God's going to use you. For me to speak doesn't come natural. I'm very happy being a Daniel Nash or a Hyde or younger show. I know it's different because God has done so many things, but that's my place. Calling on God behind the scenes. But sometimes we go to places and I don't travel with my husband that much, but not too long ago, I went with him somewhere and I told him on the way down there, I felt like God had a word for the church for me to say. And I just left it at that, I think. And then when we had supper, I told him what I felt like God was saying. And he was saying like, more or less, not now, or I don't know what, I can't remember. Because... I can see something very clearly, but my timing can be totally off. So that's why I pray, God, don't show me things if it's not the now time, because timing I don't get. <laughs> why you show me now what's going to happen 10 years from now, even though I know I need to understand the vision of it. But so, okay, so I was okay with that. At the same time, I'm thinking, did I not have the right word? And I'm struggling with it because I know God uses me a lot in the prophetic, but it's more individually. This is a corporate thing. So I think nothing about it. And then Ken speaks on Sunday. And then out of nowhere, he calls me up and tells me to come and say the word. I'm thinking, you told me not to say the word. 
So then I'm shaking and I just, anytime anybody gives me a mic, I don't know what I'm saying. I mean, that's what goes on in my head while my mouth is moving. So it's like I'm thinking, God, am I saying what you're saying to say? Because I at least need to have some time to think that I'm going to say something before I say it. So <laughs> I'm just working this through while I'm talking. But anyways, when I was done, thank God for people that just come and say something to just, because they don't know who you are. They maybe think you do this all the time or little time or whatever. But he comes and says to me, oh, yeah, they had just somebody from the state. The prophet said exact the same thing over this church congregation. I go, yes, I told you so. <laughs> no, it's just a confirmation. What I'm saying is like you have to step out and do what God has told you, no matter how scary it is, no matter how outrageously it looks like. So if I come and prophesy over Travis, that is way beyond what he could imagine or think. I pray that he will be able to take hold and see. It usually it's in your spirit already. But for you who is a stranger, you might not know what that is. So whatever is the prophetic, whether it's laying off on hands, whether it's stepping up what God has you to do, you have to step out. And it's a scary place. I can tell you that. It's really scary to stand here. So I just want to end with this. 2 King 2.9. Elijah said to Elijah exactly what he talked about last night. Elijah, Elijah is getting ready to go. He's getting ready to release Elisha. So Elijah asked Elisha, tell me, what can I do for you before I'm taken from you? And what has Elisha said? Please, let there be a double portion of your spirit upon me. Double portion. Double portion. I'm a mother, I'm a grandma. Grandmother, I want to see you guys supercharged, super powered. Like my little grandson, he has this little movie with a snail that is just can drive faster than a big motor car, and he just he just zooms himself up. I can't do it, and he just charges through the house. I want you to see yourself with that superpower, spiritual superpower. You might be a snail, but you're gonna win the race, the big race, the big big race. And I really want you to see this because God has put in my heart for you guys to see. I pray. It's a very crucial time that you're a part of. God needs you. So I pray that you will be released today to be the woman of God he has called you to be, to be the man of God he has called you to be. And I pray that you are going to receive that impartation of the double portion of the anointing. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. You're going to need it. You are going to need it, a double portion, a triple portion of the anointing. And then in chapter 4, I just want to show you one more thing. Uh, Elijah goes and uh, helps a widow with her children. She has nothing left. So Elijah asks her, what do you have in the house? I'm asking you, what do you have in your house? Like, what do you have in your spirit? What do you have in your spirit? And she responds, all I have is this tiny jar of oil. Okay, so you might see your gifting. You might see your position as tiny. But God wants to use that gift. He wants to charge that gift. So what does Elijah said? He said, go and borrow every pot and pan you can from your neighbor's. Go and lock yourself in the house and start pouring the oil. So she keeps on pouring and pouring and pouring and pouring oil. Think of oil now. God is pouring and pouring and pouring and pouring that oil until there was no more buckets than the oil stopped. So what God has for you, he has for you to keep on pouring and pouring and pouring until God has done. Now you have done your work. Do you see what I'm saying? God is just pouring in. No matter what you see your position as, 
no matter what you see you gifting as, God is going to pour and use your gift for this nation in a very powerful way. And then in chapter 4, two, I just want to breathe because this is for some of you. Elijah comes into this house. I'm not going to go into the story. But anyway, there's a dead boy in the house. So he lays on this boy. Mouth to mouth, hand to hand, he lies on him, breathes on him, and speaks life into him. And I believe there are some of you in here that God had called specifically to this nation to breathe life into this next generation. This generation is dying in their sin and not knowing the Lord. And I'm calling you forth right now to rise up, to rise up and take your rightful position in standing in the gap and calling out what God has called you to call out for this nation, for this nation to rise up once again. So I speak that into your spirit and whoever you are, I pray that you will lay hold of it. You will take hold of it. It is your to take and it's your to carry and it's your to deliver. It's no one else, but it's yours. I stood in this place many times. I remember one lady. She was prophesying from one person to the other. And she kept on coming to me. And she kept on walking away. And I'm thinking, what's going on? Like, she she just walked away. Probably seven times. It's just weird. Like, it was just, I'm thinking, okay. She doesn't have anything for me. And then the word was so strong that she thought she had it wrong. If that makes sense to you. But one of the things she's told me. The blessing of what God has used and going to use can me for. There's a double portion of the anointing upon my kids. When Ken went to Bible school in the States, he was prophesied that he was going to do seven times more things than his dad. His dad has seen creative miracles. He's preached for hundreds of thousands at one time. In Brazil, they flew him into the platform in a helicopter to speak to 100,000 people. So do you think now, is Ken going to speak to 700,000? No, God doesn't think that way. God has a very specific job for you to do. You need to be charged up with what God has for you. So I want Ken to come up here. I want Louise to come up here. And I want everyone who wants a double portion of the anointing on your life to stand up. Louise is going to represent all of you, but she's my daughter, so I'm going to use her. So first of all, I want you to see yourself, what is God calling you to? I believe you already know in your heart what God is calling you to. Got it? So when I pray over her, I want you to picture yourself it's being you. But what I use for her, it might say her gifting is dancing and your gifting is computer. Just, you know what I'm saying? Translate that into whatever God has for you. But I want to believe that God's going to release now the double portion of the anointing. And for that to take place, you have to be open and to receive it. I can give you a beautiful gift, but if you don't open it to see what's in it, what you can use it for, guess what? It's just going to sit there. And God has placed things within you that he wants to use for such a time as this. So, Father, in Jesus' name, Louise, I'm calling you forth. I'm releasing the double, the triple, the quadruple portion of my anointing upon your life right now. 
I speak life, I speak blessing over you, I speak prosperity over you, I speak favor with God and favor with men. I declare God's promises over you. Every word that God has put in your heart is going to come to pass. I pray, Father, you're going to give her faith. You're going to give her uh, insight to see how things are going to take place, Father. I pray as she ministers to the children, Father, that you're going to see herself as a person that's going to raise these children up that's going to be like Moses. They are going to be deliverers for this next generation. They're going to be like Joshua's. They're going to fight and stand in the gap. They're going to be mighty intercessors for this nation. Father, you are going to release your kingdom purposes. They're going to be Esther's that you're going to raise up, Louise. People are going to go and stand in front of the king with favor. And they're going to see the supernatural. You're going to be able to release these kids to see miracles take place. Creative miracles. Louise, stretch out your hand and the healing anointing is going to flow through you like never before. I declare God's word over you. I call forth that you are going to speak God's word with blessing and with anointing. And you are going to go forward to what God has called you to. I release the anointing and I call forth the spirit of God to rise up with you like never before, Father. I just speak life over you. I speak blessing over you. I come against any lie that you have believed that the enemy has used against you. I call out the woman warrior of God that's in you, who God have called you for this nation for such a time as this. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Just go ahead and lift your voices to God. Go ahead now and receive that double portion. Receive it right now. It's for every one of you. It's for every one of you, wherever you are, whoever you are. Whatever that is that God's birthed in you or birthing in you, it's for you. And so right now, take it. This is a launching pad. This is a launching pad right now. And God is not going to leave you on the launch pad. You are being lifted out of your circumstances. But you are not just being lifted. You are being catapulted. You are being thrust, thrust into the bigger, deeper, wider things of God. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, you are so welcome. You are so welcome. Just go ahead and welcome Holy Spirit. Just welcome Him. Welcome Him right now into that area that you're calling on for. Welcome Him into your home. Welcome Him into your life. Welcome Him into your work. Welcome Him into your finance. Welcome Him into your relationships. Welcome Him into your disappointments right now. Welcome Holy Spirit into those places even into your mind where your thoughts have not been fruitful, welcome Him right now and say, Holy Spirit, I want to have your thoughts. I want to think your thoughts after you. I want the mind of Christ. Go ahead and welcome Holy Spirit and say, I want the mind of Christ right now. Iteri basondo roboko tarra baba baba sheti abasata. Iribiasata baba For this is not the time of looking back or looking down, but this is the time of looking forward, of putting new seed in new ground and beginning to let your life be what it has in, been intended to be all these years and all this time that you have found yourself at times like even. Uh, as Gideon was in the threshing floor and he was in a place where there was, a, there was a seed and there was grain and there was oil and there was things, but he did not see himself as God saw him. And when he was called out, he said, but who am I? And God says, but I'll tell you who you are. And you might have said to this yourself in this place, who am I? And God says, I will tell you who you are. You are not... You are not what others have called you when it is not what God has said. Your past will not determine your future. Your future has been determined 
by someone greater than those that have called you out or called you down and tried to hold you back. You have been called and you are being called by the creator of this world. And when he spoke, the Bible says that the worlds came into being. And now he's speaking once again. And he's saying, I'm calling you into your destiny. I'm calling you into your future. And it's starting now. Right now. Go ahead and say now. Say now. Go ahead and call it now. Let those things be now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Holy to you about hide before I just want to mention five points are you praying for a quickening in your own life number one number two are you looking for a greater power of the Holy Spirit in your own life and work number three will you pray that you may not be ashamed of Jesus number four do you believe that prayer is a greater mean for securing a spiritual awakening. Number five, will you set apart half an hour each day to pray for this awakening for this nation? Half an hour. I'm calling on you. Could you set half an hour for an awakening in this nation? Thank you, Lena. Lena doesn't know this, uh, but um, Brother Nash is buried near where I live. Um, I haven't been to his gravesite. I, th- I think I've driven by it before. Um, one of the towns that's closest to us, where one of my best friends is from, um, Charles Finney was shut down in his ministry. The, the churches gathered together, and uh, they shut down his uh, ministry. They agreed to gather, and uh, that community struggles. Anyway, um, I just felt like we should take a moment here to to pray for one another. Um, Earlier on when I was on the flight, I'd never seen a picture of this before with regards to prophetic ministry. But I saw a gaming situation, and I'm not a gamer. And uh, it was a picture of... it, 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 It was a picture of a kid fighting with something or battling with something and then he hit a power booster and it exploded and the Lord said to me Dave when you prophesy which simple prophecy is basically God's with us I got good stuff in me we can do it that's simple prophecy It's almost like you lay hands on a person, the Holy Spirit goes through your hands, and you get healed. It's like, why didn't I think of that earlier? God, God's with us. I got good stuff, Matt. John, we can do it. But when you hit the power booster, the snail, woo, takes right off. And that's exactly what the Spirit of God spoke to me flying here about the prophetic. And you should lay hands on one another right now. And just prophesy in prayer. God's with you, Matt. Go take over Krasnodar. (laughs) Are you kidding me, that conversation? I wish I had time to talk to them about this, but it's such a moment of prayer. You know, usually when I'm flying and traveling, I'll watch a movie or two because I want to unwind. I want to veg, you know. Andrew, I just want to veg sometimes. And, you know, or I go to the airport and I log on, I do stuff and, you know, whatever. When I got, when, from 2 a.m. mountain time yesterday driving, I was like, oh my God, there's prayer around this place I'm going to. I was so locked in. I was like, people are praying in Alberta. 
So it's already, the ground is moving. Things are moving. There is prayer here. So strike while the iron's hot right now and pray in one another's lives. And just follow through on this a little bit. And let's hit little grandson's little power booster on the snail. Let's hit that thing because the Spirit of God is here to power boost. As you pray, God's with you. You got good stuff in there. Let's do it. That's the spirit of simple prophecy right there. And it's for everybody in the body of Christ. Through the medium of prayer, which if we were to roll back the machinery of what goes on in the world, nothing happens but through prayer. Everything that goes on, everything that's good happens through prayer. And you combine that with the prophetic gifting. And you combine it with the word of God. And God said, and now, man, woo, take over this nation. Edmonton. Northern Alberta, Central Alberta, whatever you are. And I know there's Calgary represented here too and Red Deer and parts in between. I don't get this when I travel in other... I, I'm telling you, I hit... so, And you're a unique demographic. This is a unique mix. Pastor Ken, I've been to a lot of things as you have too. I don't get in mixes like... I can't get my head around this mix, but it's a God mix. And I think it's... I think it's representative of how the generals of God in this generation will move forward. It's like they're in rank. They're, they're stout-hearted. They're loyal. They're, they, they, they stick together. They move together. And that's the power of the force where your dad spoke to 100,000. This group speaks exponentially as they move forward. And we're the kind of leaders that want to be in the middle of that. God just made us that way for this generation. Like no name, no face. We like it that way because you're that way. We're that way. It's a community thing. And that's what Jesus always had in mind anyways. And that's not to take away from what the forefathers did. That was their day, their time. And it was awesome. And if I could only have a portion of it, I'd be happy. But God's saying we all get it in spades. Plus, add it on, heap down, press down, good measure, and running over. So pray. God's with you. God be with you. Just announce that over your friend. And, and say something like, you're, you're a smart guy. You're a creative guy. You're intellectual. You're, just pray it. Just start to pray. And God's going to draw it out. Just pray. Just pray for your friend. Just pray for them. Take turns. Power booster. Power boosted spirit. The wind of God catches that. Whoa. Whoa. Whoa, the wind of God catches that. Whoa. You're thinking about that when she said that about the snail.